As wildfire season rolls around in the Pacific Northwest, many populated areas deal with weeks of smoke and poor air quality. Walla Walla and Whitman Campus are no exceptions. Along with keeping up with classes, adjusting to new living situations, balancing clubs, activities, and a social life, students have to deal with unhealthy levels of smoke in the air anytime they have to go somewhere, or even just open a window to cool down a third-story dorm room. You're listening to the Whitman Wire podcast. My name is Karsten Wallace-Bailey, and as the smoky red sun shines down on our campus, I talk to three different students and one professor, each with different perspectives and experiences with the smoke. First up, we have Natalie Saunders. Natalie is a sophomore and recently gave a Campus Speaks presentation on wildfires and smoke. All right, so do you want to start and introduce yourself? Yeah, hi, I'm Natalie Saunders. I'm a sophomore. So you just did a Campus Speaks presentation on this issue, right? On the idea of smoke. There's a better way to say that, but the, the smoke that we've had on campus recently. Basically, there's kind of two reasons behind why we're seeing so much smoke here in Wall Wall. Specifically, the first reason being mostly geography. You know, we're in a valley, and so we will. What will happen is we get a bunch of smoke from nearby fires, mostly from Idaho uh, right now. Where you know, because smoke is denser than air, it tends to sink. And so what happens is it comes into town and it gets trapped by the valley walls and it kind of just sits until it either dissipates or gets you know, blown away by something. The other part of it is mainly like what I talked about in my presentation was we have right now an overabundance of fuels mm. because for the past 50 years here in the US, we've suppressed wildfire very effectively because we haven't been having you know regular burning, that clearing out of lower fuels has not been happening. And yeah. so we're sitting on about about 50 years worth of unburned fuels, yeah. which is all now starting to burn. And so what we're experiencing right now is the accumulative smoke of what should have been happening okay. over the past 50 years. So for, for the past, because I'm, I'm from here, so I've noticed that the past couple like wildfire seasons, if you will, have been particularly smoky. Like two years ago, I think like fall 2020, it was really, really bad. Fall so that's, 2020 was very bad. So that's kind of the, the reasoning behind that is since we're getting like a, like a buildup of everything that hasn't happened like we're getting worse smoke yes okay yeah no, so i'm actually i'm from wyoming gotcha. and fall 2020 wyoming had its second largest wildfire oh in the state's uh -huh. history wow. the largest wow. wildfire being the yellowstone fires of 1988 and this fire burned i think roughly 30 percent of medicine bow national forest which uh -huh. is in south eastern wyoming and there was one particular weekend where it just took off the wind we had 70 mile per hour wind gusts goodness yeah it just picked up those flames and it doubled the size of the fire wow. in an afternoon wow that sort of just crazy intense super fast fire behavior is again a result of this buildup of fuels because what a normal forest fire is supposed to look like is very low intensity it tends to be kind of low to the ground and in a healthy forest you may get an occasional tree torching, which is uh. where the entire tree goes up in flames. But most of the time, unless that tree is dead or very, very dry, the flames will stay towards the bottom and any large, mature, healthy tree will survive. It's just all the underbrush that gets kind of burned away. But when you get an overabundance of fuels, you get a phenomenon called ladder fuels, which is where you have so much underbrush and fallen trees and just all kinds of crap that's been built up. The flames that start at the bottom can actually use those fuels like a ladder and they move up into the canopy of the trees, which is really bad because then you get a phenomenon called crown fire. And crown fire is much larger 
than standard fires. It moves incredibly fast. And because it burns up in the canopy, so it gets up into the top parts of the trees and it stays there. It continues to burn up there and jump from tree to tree. Because it's so high up, it is actually able to pull oxygen up underneath itself and literally create its own winds to propel itself forward. And it's incredibly hot and it moves so fast and unpredictably that firefighters cannot put it out from the ground. You have to use aircraft to extinguish it. And sometimes the winds will get so high that it grounds aircraft and at that point, they just have to let it burn. Yeah, there's really nothing you can there's do. There's nothing huh. you can do. And crown fires are the most common fire behavior we have been seeing in the past few really? years. Okay. And that's because we've had so much fuel. That That is really interesting. Yeah, definitely. Have you noticed any kind of disturbances in your daily life because of the fires? Or since you said you're from Wyoming, is there anything particularly happening back at your home that you're worried about? Or have you ever had to change your daily routine because of fires or anything? I mean, the smoke is certainly a nuisance. I think yeah. a lot of people yeah. can agree with that. It's not fun fun to you know walk outside and everything smells like a campfire and just recently just this summer my house lost ac our ac uh -huh. unit broke so we were having to open our windows at night to try yeah. to get the house to cool off and if there had been smoke in the area we'd have been hosed totally like there yeah. was <laughs> either you know have the house be 85 degrees or have the house smell like smoke all day but like you know aside from just basic nuisance i don't think there's a lot that us kind of more urban dwellers yeah. really have to change much about our routines uh -huh. when it comes to wildfires. But I definitely know people where I live who have absolutely have had their lives uprooted yeah, by totally. fires. There's a lot of ranchers out there that are uh -huh. worried. Medicine Bow National Forest itself, where the Mullen Fire burns, yeah. that's all multi-use land area. So it's not only national forest land where you have, you know, recreation, conservation, all that. They actually let ranchers come in and graze their cattle on that land. They don't like fire that much. And so they're kind of, they're really, you know, against the whole thing. But I think in a grander scheme of things, especially in Wyoming, our dominant tree species in most of our forests is the lodgepole pine. Very, it's one of my favorite tree species because of how unique it is. What's so unique about them is that they are what's called a pyrophytic tree species, which means that they have evolved around fire, like specifically forest fire. Yeah because their cones, they have serotonous cones that contain a resin, and that resin can only be melted by extremely high temperatures, usually achieved by wildfire. Sure. So they can actually only reproduce during a wildfire. Huh. You know, sometimes really high heat from the sun will yeah. occasionally yeah, yeah, yeah. melt a cone, and sometimes you'll get a baby tree out of it, but mm. that's it typically doesn't happen very often yeah. and it definitely doesn't happen often enough at a rate that the trees can consistently keep regenerating. So these trees actually only have a lifespan of between like 100 and 150 years, which is not long as oh. far as like tree standards go. And that's because every few decades or so, like every 50, like 30, 50 mm. some odd years, fire will consistently go through a lodgepole pine tree stand, yeah. burn all of the standing trees, all those trees release all of their seeds at the same time, and then all the baby trees grow back up at the same time. Yeah. Okay, so just the last question that I was thinking about was, and like I mean this in totally a genuine way, what got you so passionate about this issue? I mean, I've always been interested in the environment. You know, I grew up on nature documentaries yeah. and I was always outside. My dad always took me on hikes, but really the thing that that sort of sparked this interest in wildfires, if you excuse the pun, was actually the Mullen Fire okay. in 2020 yeah. near my hometown uh, because that was my senior year of high school. And I was enrolled in AP research, uh -huh. where you basically take the entire school year to conduct your own research yeah. study. And the Mullen Fire just really stood out to me 
you know, for reasons other than it turned my town orange for a weekend. But there had been fires in that same area previously in years before that were nowhere near as big yeah. and scary as the Mullen fire had been. And so the question stuck in my mind, why was this fire so bad? Yeah. You know, why was this, why was the Mullen fire in particular so awful? And why is it happening at the same time as all these other massive fires in California and Oregon? And I was very curious about that. And so I started researching and I started looking into wildfire policy and the history of management. And that was all just so interesting to me and also just stood out to me how little the public and just normal people in general know about wildfires because we're all still listening to good old Smokey Bear. You know, we're still uh, all of the mind that, oh, all yeah, wildfires yeah. bad. Only you can prevent wildfires, you, you know, wildfires. don't take matches into the, the campsite. Totally. Yep, yeah, and you should still listen to Smokey Bears in some ways. Please don't go set forest fires. You will uh -huh. get in trouble for don't it. Don't go I'm, set off fireworks in the gorge and I'm, set the entire Pacific Northwest I'm on fire. I'm pretty sure it's a felony. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Safe bet. But because people still don't really know how beneficial wildfire can be for western forest ecosystems i really wanted to you know tell people oh, yeah. you know th this is actually beneficial these fires that we're having right now are is literally just nature catching up on everything that it missed the past 50 years and like even though these fires right now suck they suck a lot uh they're destroying towns and you know ruining livelihoods but this country has for thousands of years lived with fire. The Native Americans used fire for centuries and these ecosystems have evolved around that. And so for us to then remove that intrinsic part of the ecosystems, it actually did more harm than good. And we're seeing the consequences of those actions right now. So just that whole idea, I was like, wow, I really got to tell people about this. And so I made my research study yeah. on the Mullen fire and I did my presentation. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you for including me in Absolutely. this. Absolutely. I'm, I'm glad I get to tell more people about it. Up next, we have Marin Semmer. Marin is a sophomore and has felt inconvenienced having to deal with the smoke in the air. Hello, my name is Marin Semmer. I am a sophomore and I use she, her pronouns. All right, so how would you say that the smoke has impacted your daily life or had impacted? I would say the smoke hasn't like made like a significant impact because I was still doing like my day-to-day -day routine, but it has made it a bit of a nuisance like going outside because the air quality index has like gone to like the 170s or 180s. So it was like kind of like a bit of like a hassle, like being outdoors, walking to read, to pick up packages or anything like that. Cause like I probably just like put on a mask cause the air quality is like so bad and so smoky because of like the wildfire just like coming in, like the smoke coming into the Walla Walla Valley. But it was like the only impact was just like just wearing masks outdoors when I was doing activities or just doing errands. And do you think that's kind of the general consensus from students is that most people just kind of find this as like a hindrance like most people are just kind of annoyed by it i would say majority of people feel like it's like a hindrance but some people have different impacts some people are like really passionate about climate change and may feel like oh this is really frustrating because this could have been like preventable because like could build up like dry bush and like other um debris like on like forest floors and the way that before um settlers came into this land there was just traditional cycling of just smaller fires to prevent having like huge wildfires where we have like this like huge impact of just smoke and just like hindering and like 
hindering just not like human life, but also just like biological ecosystems. Uh, would you say that there's been anything on campus that you like avoided doing because of the smoke? Was there anything that was so serious that's like, I have decided not to do this? I would say there wasn't like anything like serious that I have to like avoid doing, but one thing that I was avoid doing was like driving using my car because I felt like that was going to contribute to making it worse. So I felt like I just should have just like been more aware about like my usage of just like emitting carbon emissions through that way. But pretty much that was it. Would you say that you think that the school should kind of have some measures in place for when we get more smoke in the future? I know I heard a lot of complaints that the school didn't really issue an official warning or any kind of emergency because of the smoke and some students were upset about that. Do you have a take on that? Yeah, so there should be some type of like warning system in place because like they, we do get like emergency alerts through like texts or emails so there can be just like some type of like notification about like the air quality being a little bit bad and just like, prescribing the type of like precaution you could take like avoiding prolonged time outdoors or just wearing masks or maybe if it's so severe maybe canceling classes so maybe just depending on like where on the air quality index we are and like just adjusting towards what we need to do as like a campus community all right yeah well thank you so much Marin. i appreciate it Next, we have Luke Patrick. Luke is a senior and captain of our men's frisbee team, so he spends a lot of time practicing outside. My name is Luke Patrick. I use he, him pronouns, and I am a senior. All right, so Luke, you are a co-captain of our men's frisbee team, correct? Yes. And due to the smoke a couple weeks ago, you guys had to cancel outside practices, mm -hmm. right? That is true. So what did that feel like as a team to just kind of lose a big chunk of time of being able to be outside, especially this early on? Yeah, so a lot of the beginning stages of practices, some of it is actually like teaching how to play Frisbee because a lot of players will just come in from other sports not knowing how to play. So it's on us to help teach them. And especially really early, we weren't able to go over those minor details that really allow a team to bond together, like know how they play well. And it just helped us and it was, it brought us back in the learning process a little bit. So is this ever like, like a concern in the future, given that you guys play in an area that's prone to wildfires and you play a lot of other schools in this area, have you ever had to cancel games because of smoke or do you worry about that? Um, we've never had to cancel games, but this has not been like a one-time event. Like we've had to do it in years prior. Luckily, the places that we do tournaments for they're in generally good locations with good air quality but I mean especially coming up we have a tournament in Montana and I know that that's been prone to some bad air quality recently so it's definitely been something that's on our minds that is a little nerve-wracking because we don't want to be putting all of our time and effort and money into this and not be able to go that play what do you guys do when you can't practice outside because of smoke yeah, so um, we had a optional gym day at practice rather than that. And that's basically all we can do. I mean, instead of running out, because it's all outdoors and running around grass and when you don't have that ability. Well, in other times, what we've done as well, this happened a couple years ago when it was super snowy out. What we would do is we would just play in the gym and we would play mini in the gym. Oh, really? So that's how, um, that's how we've combated it and that's what our plan in case smoke gets bad or like later in the year if snow falls and can't play on the ground. Sure. So just as, as an athlete on campus, 
how do you how do you feel when it's so smoky outside like you know you're you're outside you're running a lot you're you're staying very active does that become a hindrance to you is it kind of interrupting your other like regular life oh absolutely it's like it's absolutely noticeable especially when you're breathing heavy and uh all all of these things like especially on the frisbee field it's a lot of sprinting and and a lot of energy burned at once and even just like bad air quality it will ruin your lungs and it'll ruin the way that you play because you're not as focused yeah sorry what was the other half of the question I was wondering, like, does this kind of, like, hinder your, like, daily, like, athletic experience? Yeah. Yeah, sometimes it definitely does because I really love to be, especially for me, I love to be outdoors. I love to do everything outdoors. And it's just, like, it's just those things that you notice the air quality not being as good. You don't breathe as well. You don't run as fast. You can't put in as much effort. It definitely is a hindrance for sure. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it, Luke. Thank you. we have Professor Lyman Persico. Professor Persico is a professor in the Geology and Environmental Studies departments, so he knows a fair deal about the smoke in the environment. Hi, I'm uh, Lyman Persico, and I am both in the Geology Department and Environmental Studies program here at Whitman. All right, awesome, thank you. So as a Geology and Environmental Studies professor, I would assume that you know a fair amount about the environment and are involved a lot in things around the environment. So we've had some particularly bad wildfire seasons recently in the area. Does that raise any kind of concerns to you about the status of like the environment that our campus is in? Or like, is that a bad sign? Is that a good sign? What would you, do you have a take on that? Uh, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's always been a part of living in the Pacific Northwest. Wildfire is a natural process that we need for healthy forest ecosystems. Uh, but because of climate change, this is going to be an increasingly, an increasing presence in our lives in the smoke. And so uh, we're going to have to learn how to live and adapt in a world with increasing severity of burns and area of burns, which means that it's going to be smoky in our part of the world more often, particularly in the late summer and early fall. Another complicating factor with that as well is the fact that we've lived through almost a hundred years of intensive forest fire suppression in much of the Western United States, which has overloaded and increased fuels beyond natural levels in many of our mountain ranges. So as we're working on a more um, better forest management in the future, we're going to see burns associated with that. So you've got kind of these two competing influences. Is it fire suppression or climate change that's driving our increase in wildfires? And the answer is both. Mm. And as we model into the future out to, you know, mid-century, we're going to see significantly more fires in the West. So yeah, it's it's going to be something that we have to adapt to if we choose to live in this part of the world. Sure. So I was told that a geography trip had to be rerouted because of wildfires in the area. Is that a common occurrence in these departments? Like, like, and I, I said uh, geography, excuse me, geology. I mix that up all the time. But is that a common occurrence in the field of geology and environmental studies that have these kind of excursions that students go on? Is that just a part of life that you have to deal with not being able to go certain places because of wildfires? It is, but it's certainly been increasing in its frequency. Um, I've only been in the department for seven years now. Mm. And this is the second time we've had to reroute the regional geology trip that runs in the fall. We do it every fall and every th spring semester. And this is the second time that we've had to reroute and move away from northeast, uh, northeastern Washington because of forest fires and the smoke. So my understanding, talking to some of the professors in the department that have been here longer than me, that we haven't had to do this historically. So it does seem to be something that's increasing in its frequency. And I will say that those of us that work, you know, out in the field in the West, this is something that we've always dealt with. I work and do a lot of research in Yellowstone. And I remember when I was doing field work 
I forget which year, I think it was about 2006 or 2007, it just got so smoky in Yellowstone that I just kind of ended my field season a couple of weeks early because I was sick oh, really? of living in the smoke and camping in the smoke. Yeah. And be, you know, when you're outside living in it, you know, it, there's just no relief. So it's something we've we've always dealt with in the West, but it looks like it is increasing. And so what is it like being in a field of study that is so kind of like volatile right now and changing because of like changes in our, in our environment? Yeah, I think it can be overwhelming for some to, to be kind of on the front line of the climate crisis and witnessing daily kind of what we teach about in terms of increases in forest fire activity, increases in flooding events, increases in sea level. So that can be difficult. I think what we what I have to focus on is thinking about how we we move beyond just identifying that this is a problem, but accepting it and thinking about the world in terms of adaptation and mitigation, that there is going to be some amount of climate change that we will deal with forever. We're never going back to the climate of the 19th century. That's just not not in our future. And so thinking about how we adapt to the climate change that has occurred and how we can mitigate the worst impacts of climate change from continued burning of fossil fuels is kind of gets me excited looking at transition uh, to electric cars and reducing carbon output uh, and then just talking with students and seeing all the really cool things that they build on here at Whitman and go out to solve environmental mm-hmm. problems. Yeah, awesome. So in terms of kind of being more affected at home, we had a week where it was just pretty uncomfortably smoky. Do you think that our campus should be doing something in terms of maybe combating that in the future as like we have a very specific wildfire season that always seems to affect right at the beginning of the semester? Do you think that there's anything that we could be doing kind of as a campus to help mitigate those effects? That, yeah, that's a great question. I think, you know, from a, from living here outdoors, it is going to happen and that is a risk. And so I think probably education is the biggest that, that we, you know, make sure that everyone understands the, the risks associated with outdoor exercise when you have increased particulates in the air and to make sure people know that they shouldn't be outside, make sure that instructors know that, uh, you know, if, if it's too unhealthy, that classes or outdoor labs need to be canceled. Um, In terms of indoor air quality, I think that's something we should be paying attention to and make sure we have adequate filters and monitoring, monitoring uh, to make sure that, you know, we do have uh, good air on the inside. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for your time. Awesome. Thank you so much. In conclusion, wildfire season and smoke are things we'll have to deal with. As Professor Persigo said, we're not going back to a time where those will not simply be a part of the Pacific Northwest. As students adapt to having smoking conditions and close wildfires, remember to take care of yourself, take necessary precautions when dealing with poor air quality, and inform yourself about our local environment. For the Whitman Wire podcast, I'm Casey Mullen. Headlines, the week of September 30th. From the Wire in News. In 2017, Whitman used 64,995 CCF, 100 cubic feet of water, reports NASA Pennant. Whitman's Office of Sustainability remains partially vacant, resulting in no irrigation manager to monitor campus water use. The implications of the college's water use are widespread, and as ASWAC Sustainability Chair Fraser Moore explains, are an extension of colonial practices. Rachel Freeman Cohen joined the campus community this semester as the first director of LGBTQIA student services. In an interview with Wire reporter Paul Florence, Freeman Cohen explains it's a job they hope will allow students to build community, put on social events, and encourage education.
Walla Walla has won first place for the last three years in a row in USA Today's Best Wine Regions, Sebastian Squire reports. A 2019 economic report of the Valley's wine industry found that 2,484 jobs are generated in the local economy related to the wine industry. In Campus Life On Saturday, September 24th, Walla Walla came together to celebrate the life and work of Adam West, Batman and Whitman alum, reports Charlie Hunter. West's iconic portrayal of the hero set the stage for superhero media to follow. As the semester gets underway, as do campus events hosted by the Whitman Events Board. For more on past and upcoming activities, here's Melody Lee. Uh, my name is Aziz Shahbazovich. What do you think is the biggest challenge and the biggest reward of doing this activity? I think that it's just nice to have a space where people can come and just kind of be comfortable to like sing whatever they feel like and kind of it builds the community because it brings people closer together and also it just kind of gives us a, like a nice space for people who you know love to sing but they are not maybe music major or they don't have time to perform. There's also like other kinds of activities the web event will host so what do you think the karaoke one like compared with other kinds of activity what do you think is the difference we do different events we have cultural directors we have music directors for this stuff like this we have special events and creative arts it's like kind of different because we try to like make events that would invite different groups of people because you know there's no single event that can like be good for everyone so we try to make the we have different events for different people Webb maintains an Instagram account at web underscore events with information about upcoming activities Whitman's varsity tennis team enjoyed a successful weekend at the ITA Fall Northwest Regional Championship, Baveshkal Rajani reports. Woody's took home multiple victories in front of a home crowd. For these complete stories and more from this week's issue of the Whitman Wire, check out our website, whitmanwire.com. Thanks for listening. This podcast is a product of the Whitman Wire newspaper, publishing Whitman News since 1896. This episode's theme song is Take It Easy by the Wind Up Birds. We'll see you next time. Thank you.